Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And now the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Twenty twenty two. Uh and the headlines, man, headlines in every newspaper I get. I get three newspapers delivered every day. And Sun Times, Tribune, and New York Times. And the headlines are, are the same. I'll just read the Sun Times headline. Uh pray for peace, pray for Ukraine, uh, Russia. Putin lost his mind and has invaded Ukraine. We talked about it a lot, lot on yesterday's Thursday show with uh, Miles Konflassen, and so I urge everybody to check that one out. And we're probably going to be talking about it a lot uh, down the road, uh, particularly the very, just very twisted and bizarre uh, nature of the uh, reaction by Donald Trump and MAGA in this country. I've never seen uh, a country. I, I can honestly say I don't, and I've lived a long time. I'm going to ask my distinguished guest about this, too. I've lived a long time, longer than my distinguished guest, uh, and uh, she always likes to remind me that I'm older than she is, uh, and uh, <laughs> that I've never seen a country so divided as it is right now, uh, and it's really on display uh, with the reaction to uh, Putin sending in troops, soldiers into an independent country uh, just because he thinks he can. So anyway, that's the headline of the day. I'm going to ask, as I always do, my distinguished guest to introduce herself. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hi, I am Alderwoman Sue Sidlowski-Garza from the Mighty Tenth Ward. I also serve as chairwoman on the Workforce Development Committee for the City of Chicago. Um, I have my lovely daughter with me today, Kate Garza. So, um, So she's my sidekick today. old friend of mine, uh, and Kate, I welcome you as well. Uh, and, um, so just, I always do the geography lesson, uh, for my listeners, <laughs> the 10th ward, you get on the highway and you go way, way, way South. And when you think you're in Indiana, not quite in Indiana, that's the 10th ward. And whenever I'm driving down a tall, uh, skyway to go uh, into Indiana, a state I love, uh, and on my way to Michigan or whatever, uh, I always send, <laughs> I take a picture, Sue Garza knows this, like wherever I am, I send a, I, take, I, I snap a photo out of the car window of like a bridge or a body of water or some old drunk guy on the street, something. And I go, I'm in Garza country. And I send it to Sue. And yeah, then, he, you do. I love it. <laughs> I love it. You're always passing through. I'm always passing. And then you go, come on. You know, by this, by the time I get your text back, Sue, I'm like in somewhere in Indiana, God help me. And you're like, come on, stop by. Where are you? And I, yeah, maybe better planning next time. Anyway, it's the far southeast side of the city of Chicago. Best side, best side, best working class neighborhood you ever step foot in. I'm not going to argue with you on that point. Okay, I just and why? Why should I argue with you on that point? Uh, oh, yeah, no, it's, I mean, here's the thing: the, the truth is, the tenth ward has built. We have literally built the city of Chicago, and and that I don't say that um, jokingly. I mean it. I mean, you know, the steel that came out of the mills built the skyscrapers. Um, the people that work on our infrastructure. Um, the companies that are here, you know, keep the city running every single day. And we're a blue collar ward, and I'm pretty damn proud of that. 
is a really cool neighborhood, folks. I urge everybody not to do just what I said, to just drive through, but stop on in. A lot of great restaurants down there. A lot of uh, It's beautiful along the lakefront. State park, I- Big Marsh Bike Park. And we have the only state park in the city of Chicago. We have wetlands and marshes that have been restored um, since I've been the alderman. So there's a, a lot of really cool hidden gems here that nobody ever talks about. So, And we're right on the lake. Sue uh, Sadlowski Garza, Alderwoman. Hello, Sue. Hello. Uh, Alderwoman. I'm the one that coined that term. And, let, <laughs> and I, and I want to say, in 2015, I, you know, when I took office in 2015, I caught a lot of slack from um, fellow Alderwomen. For you, they said that is not the correct term. It's Alderman. And I said, no, I am not a man. I do not have a penis. And women need to start owning their power. So... Now everyone's calling themselves older woman. So there you go. In fact, I think Ed Burke has started referring to himself as older woman, Ed Burke. Sorry, that was a bad joke. All right. Uh, just felt the need to make a joke at Ed Burke. <laughs> That's your own singer. Uh, all right. Uh, let's, um, let's just deal with some uh, heavy news first before uh, it's really uh, bad news, but, uh, it's it's important we do this one to tell uh, about a great person uh, who's no longer with us, and also uh, to give out some information to help her children. And uh, so, this Sue, I think I'll turn it over to you, or uh, you could turn it over to Katie, or however you guys want to do this to tell the story of Amanda and what happened to her, and um, what we're all trying to do about it. So, Sue or Katie, I don't care who, take it away. Okay, well, Katie's sitting next to me for for support because this is uh, probably one is the most horrific thing that has ever happened to our family. Um, And I know there's other families that have gone through things like this. um, And we have pledged my my family. My daughter is taking the lead on this, that we want to make sure that the that there's information and resources out there for people who are going through domestic violence situations. And yesterday marked the one month anniversary of, which I considered was my goddaughter. She was like my second, she was like my daughter. Um, Katie and her had, and and Katie Katie is a twin. Um, Her brother, Tyler, grew up with Amanda and they were together. They were like the three musketeers. And, she was the most amazing young woman. She got a full ride to DePaul. Katie and her lived together when they went to college um, in Wrigleyville. Um, they drove together every day to Whitney Young for during high school. They were together during grammar school. Your daughter, actually, we have something in common. Your daughter knew Amanda as well, Ben. Yeah. Um, and her life was tragically taken by um, the man that she finally had the courage to leave a very abusive relationship and he wasn't having it. And he lured her to the car with um, saying that he had the divorce papers and she got in the car and he shot her in the head. And then he parked in front of his father's house and shot himself. And they leave behind a four-year-old and a one-year-old. And such a selfish, cowardly, tragic thing to have happen. I don't understand how somebody could do that to such an amazing young woman. She loved to read. I mean, she lit up a room when she walked in. Wouldn't you agree, Katie? Yeah. And... I guess, you know, the thing I really want to portray is Amanda was one of those girls who, I guess since she was a little girl, always knew that she wanted to have kids. She was just one of those people. She always knew she wanted to be a mom. And her kids were her entire world. I mean, her education background was in early childhood education and psychology. So she was just such a hands-on mom, such an amazing mother. And I can't even begin to explain how shattered she would be to know that her kids are going to grow up without parents. And so uh, it's really important to rally behind them. 
Um, we started a GoFundMe page where all of the proceeds will be going to their well-being and their um, upbringing. So uh, right now, our main objective is to just support them in any way that we can. So if anyone out there is listening, um, has the means to donate, if you Google Amanda Kalo GoFundMe, um, it's all set up. Right. Uh, C-A-L-O, Amanda Kalo. Uh, it's important that we uh, make sure that her kids have a, a good life moving forward. Um, they're with their grandma, Amanda's mom, who's an amazing woman as well. Um, she has a very, very close family. Um, it's just tragic. And Katie is, we're on a mission to make sure that, um, nobody has to, you know, this, I, I've learned so much through this, that this happens more often than we hear about. And just to say that this man was a state trooper, um, we, we don't hear a lot about, domestic violence situations when it involves law enforcement. Um, they, they don't say it loud. I, I was, I was, we were infuriated in the headline the next day that said state trooper found dead. I wanted it to say state trooper murders wife. Right. Um, so yeah, you know, part of me is, um, I'm at the point now where I'm angry and there's really no one to be angry at because, you know, he killed himself too. So we need to rally around these kids so that they can have a good education and a good up and a good life moving forward and make sure that we carry on Amanda's legacy by making sure that people have resources and places to go and are not afraid, um, are not afraid to leave a bad situation, um, which she finally, she finally had the courage. And, you know, Katie actually said something to me the other day um, that she was so proud of her for finally having the courage to leave. And we were with her, what, December 11th. 11th. Um, my husband, she called my, she called my husband, she called him Papa Bear. Uh, it was Raul, myself, Katie, Amanda, and Tyler, and we were all so proud of her that she had the courage, and she was really, really happy. And Katie said she finds solace knowing that, you know, those last couple weeks of her life, she was just really happy, and she wasn't going through hell anymore. Uh, so if we're going to sort of have a lesson to offer for people, which is really difficult to think of, uh, are there things that you look back that might've happened that could have been done? Uh, or is it, was it just a thing where once he got it into his head and he, I don't know if he shared it with anyone, uh, that this is what, if he could not have quote unquote, uh, Amanda, then nobody was going to be with Amanda. Uh, so was it unforeseen? Is there, if folks listening think about, they know somebody in a similar situation, when you look back on it, Sue, is there anything that might've been done or is it just sort of like a, a tragedy outside of your hands? Well, I think, you know, here the thing of it is, is, you know, domestic violence is really, it's, it's a hard, it's a very hard, um, it's a hard issue, hard issue to tackle and people are afraid to, um, especially women, if there's young children involved, um, it's hard to walk away for a number of reasons. And when you are mentally and physically abused um, and you're beat down for 14 years, you start to believe it, you know, and um, I think we all tried we all tried to talk to Amanda, um, but like Katie said, she um, she wanted the she wanted her kids. She wanted to keep her family together, and she finally got to the point where it was like, "This isn't good for anybody. This isn't good for my kids. This isn't um, you know. I have to make a make a change because I want my kids to have a better life." Um, I don't know. I don't think that. There's one thing that any one of us could have done differently to stop this man from doing what he did, right? 
I think it really comes down to him getting the help that he needed. Clearly he was, um, you know, sick and needed help. And I, I can have empathy for that. Um, I think, you know, mental health and therapy just needs to be very destigmatized. Um, going to a therapist and admitting that you are having struggles with your mental health should be just as normal as going to get an annual physical. And um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And Amanda and I actually talked a lot about that in the last couple of weeks. Um, she, w- she was actually starting therapy herself. And I know that she um, wanted him to get therapy as well. Um, but him being a police officer, uh, it was just tough for him to take that step. So I think we just need to really work on breaking down that wall and making it normal for everyone, no matter who you are, what profession you have, to feel comfortable and empowered to um, getting help mentally, for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. And particularly for, for uh, police officers, uh, there have been a number of suicides, not murder suicides in this case, but uh, a number of suicides by Chicago police officers. And I've, I just feel much more needs to be done, particularly in these times. These are really stressful times for Chicago police officers, to put oh, it mildly. Absolutely. And um, I just, it boggles my mind that uh, we're so indifferent to it as a society in general. Uh, we have such ambivalent attitudes about there. People make fun of it. If you go to therapy, oh, you're a whip, can't handle it. You're crazy. Yeah, you go, loony, you know, and um, it's, uh, it's, yeah. I don't know, man, as a guy who's been to therapy and if therapy has helped me, I'm putting it out there, ladies and gentlemen. It's not so bad, particularly if you get a good therapist. Here's the thing. I, I, you know, I have a a saying that I used to tell the kids that were on my caseload when I was a counselor. You know, it's really hard to take that first step because we want to avoid feelings that make us feel bad. Right. But until you feel those feelings until you deal with those feelings, then you can't, you can heal. So feel, deal, heal. And that's exactly what has to happen. And sometimes it feels really bad at first, but you have to get past that in order to be able to heal from the trauma, whatever that is. And um, I, I think that, you know, I, I, if we lived in a perfect world, and especially like maybe law enforcement or people that work in, in jobs that, you know, they see a lot of trauma and stuff. Alderman would be a good one. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I go to therapy. I'm not ashamed to say it. I, I, you know, it helps me and it helps me work through things in my head. And, um, you know, everybody should be evaluated if, if you're a public servant, whether you're a police officer or a teacher or a, an alderman, whatever, you should have some kind of evaluation like every four months to make sure you're okay, especially if you're carrying a firearm or something, right? Yeah, absolutely. There should be some kind of protocol put into place to make sure that these men and women are okay because nobody can go through that much trauma and and be okay. You, it just, you can't. And I mean, let's just think about what we've gone through as, as just regular people in the past two and a half years, the amount of trauma that we've seen and the amount of people that we've lost and, you know, civil unrest and, you know, it's, it's trauma after trauma after trauma and invading Ukraine. And, you know, it it just never ends. Yeah, you're, it seems like you're right. You get punched in the face every day. I wake up. And I try to deal with it as best I can with humor, making jokes. Uh, and uh, But you're right. There's a cumulative effect. Sue, in the, in the issue of domestic violence, I have to tell you, the, the first time I was exposed to it, uh, it's a very telling story. It's it's It happened many, many years ago. Katie, I don't even know if, if uh, your daughter Katie was born yet. This is so, so old. But uh, we had neighbors. Uh, and I... They seemed like a, a pretty good couple, and I didn't know what was going on. Uh, and one day, uh, about one night, the kids ran over to our house, these two little kids, and they said, um, I can't get so many years. I want to get the quote as close to it as I can. As my daddy is uh, ripping my mommy's eyes out. And I'm like, something along those lines. I'm like, I-, I was just sitting in there watching TV. I was watching the sports. What else? And... Um, 
So I followed the two kids stayed in the house. They were really traumatized with my wife. I went over next door and uh, the neighbor was bleeding from the eye and her, she had a fight with her husband and he was gouging her eye. Oh my God. Uh, and I said, you got to go to a, um, you have to, you have to have a doctor look at this. So I drove her, she was barefoot. Okay. And she just got in the car. We drove to the hospital and along the way she was saying, yeah, they've been fighting and he's been abusing her. Get to the hospital. She's getting checked. A police officer comes into, uh, who had been alerted by the hospital. And, and this is the part, Sue, I'll never forget. He told me, I'm going to give you some advice. Never, ever, ever do this again. I go, what? Take her to the hospital. Don't get involved because you can't trust her. She may turn on you and say, you did it. She may <clears throat> wanted to protect her husband and say that you're the reason it did it. And I'm like, wow, the hell is a guy supposed to do? That's my advice. That's my working advice. These two kids are traumatized. They're coming to my house in the middle of the night. You know, I, okay. I didn't expect you to give me a, a medal. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, who told you that? The police officer. And he was doing it like he was doing yeah. me a favor. This oh is years God. ago. This is, I'm telling you, was, I don't even know. I could, she was bored. I could do I could, everything is sports. It was in the middle of the Bulls first championship run. I do everything by sports and it was 1991. So that was a long time ago. And I just, I mean, that's such a Chicago attitude, by the way, Susan. Well, I was just going to say that's, <laughs> that's the whole attitude. It's the whole, you know, don't say anything, you know, Keep it, keep it under lock and key. And, you know, we don't want to put anybody's, you know, to get a bad rap because, you know, it's conduct unbecoming. You'll be put on desk duty or, you know, whatever. No, but, he was saying I was exposing myself to risk. Right. But yeah. what I'm saying, he's it was like gaslighting, like trying to turn it on you that you were doing something. Wrong. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, what? What a city I've moved to. <laughs> this is the advice I'm getting. God. Uh, but, you know, I think that's indicative of a lot of people's attitude in general toward domestic violence, which is, well, it's it's kind of like not really violence because it's just a man and a woman, a uh, husband and a wife. You know what I'm saying, Sue? It's the yeah, attitude. No, but, and, but here's the thing. You have to, you have to, you know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And if you don't say anything, I'll never forget one time. I mean, this is a little bit different, but it, it, it is still domestic. I was going to school at Olive Harvey and there was a mom in the bathroom with like maybe a three-year-old kid and she was beating the hell out of this kid. Like, and every time she hit him, she would say, shut up, shut up. And every, every time she hit him, he would cry louder. And I'm like, stop it. I, I, I said something. And the woman turned and looked at me and she said, mind your own effing business. And I said, I, I, he, he's, he's got to be what? Three, stop it. I'm going to call the police. And I went out and got the security officer and the security officer escorted her out of the bathroom. She should have been arrested is really. And she wound up and got it. She wound up, you know, waiting for the CTA bus. I walked past her and she you know, threw an expletive at me, but the security guard didn't do anything either. They just, he just let her go. And I mean, she was wailing on this kid and, and telling him to shut up while she's wailing on him. I'll never forget that. I honest to God, I will never forget that. Yeah. Uh, this is definitely in the category of people are out of their minds. Uh, and I could go political with it by saying this just points out the need to have more counselors in the public schools. Speaking of something Sue said, Leslie Garza can appreciate uh, because so many kids are exposed to violence. Well, here's the, here's the thing too. You know, you call to make an appointment for mental health right now, especially mental health, people seeking out mental health, um, mental health issues have exploded because of COVID. So, you know, it's like you call because somebody is having issues and this just happened to us in our office. Um, a mom came and told us about something that was happening with their, with their kid. 
and it was like suicide hotline, please hold. You know, there's like a nine month wait for people to see folks. And it's like, that's so unacceptable. People need help now. You can't wait when you're in the middle of a mental health crisis. Um, every place is, is, is hiring more. They, they need more psychologists. They need more social workers. They need more. If, and uh, the whole pandemic thing, we need social workers and counselors in schools because the repercussions of the amount of stress and anguish that we've been facing as adults, think about being a kid. We're going to be facing the repercussions of these kids, mental health 10 years from now. Absolutely. And again, I go political. That's just my instincts. So I've been dealing with this for the whole two years since the revolt against masks uh, emerged roughly in March or April of 2020. Oh God, yeah. Uh, and no mask, no mask. And one of the arguments that is advanced, not just by MAGA, but by, uh, you know, liberal types uh, as to why we um, masks are harmful or, or uh, remote learning is harmful is the impact it has on children. Uh, and the iso- social isolation uh, and the feeling of confinement. And I buy all that. I'm with you. You know, I understand. I'm with you. You know, I'm not arguing that point. But I'm like, so are we all going to join together now and uh, call for more uh, financing, funding to expand our, uh, you know, mental health networks? Are we going to open more clinics? Are we going to have more therapy? Are we going to have more counselors in schools? Are we going to have more counselors and therapists available for police officers or firefighters or anybody else who's on the front? Oh, no. No, 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 no. I didn't say all that. <laughs> I just wanted to use that as an argument to uh, whip up MAGA about masks. You know what I'm saying, Sue? I'm like... Well, yeah. And here's the thing. If you want to talk... If we want to get political, we should not be talking... This should not be a political issue. When in the hell... Did the average Joe Blow on the street become smarter than a scientist? That's what I want to know. You know what I mean? I, I it, it infuriates the heck out of me that these people that are anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers and, and all these things, you know, are now smarter than the virologists <laughs> and the people who have been studying this stuff for, you know, 25, 30 years. It's just, you, but you know what? You can't stop stupid. And I'm sorry, but I'm not taking my mask off. I, you can you can re, relinquish the mask mandate, do whatever you want. My mask will be on. You, you and me, Sue. I got to tell you, I, uh, we're a far field, but let's go there. I was at the Bulls game the other night, and uh, my beloved Bulls are really looking good. Anytime you want to jump on a bandwagon, Sue, get that. Well, Kate, Katie's husband on. plays. He plays uh, uh, basketball for a Korean basketball league, and I mean, how tall is Tim? Six seven? No, six six five. Oh, well, what a tall guy! He's a tall guy, tall Korean guy, or Korean Italian. All right, well, when, husband. when they have the when they have a baby, if they have a baby, I'll be right over there to teach that kid how to shoot a jump shot. Uh, someone's got to. Uh, so anyway, I'll be teaching him baseball or something, but. Uh, but I, I I wore a mask is my point, and I'm I'm wearing it on trains. Uh, I wore it on an airplane when I flew out to visit my kids in California. I I just I I'm sold on it, and I get it that I really do understand how it's uh, an imposition for children, uh, and it's a challenge, and it's difficult sometimes to hear people with the masks. But I don't know. First of all, I don't. They always go. So they they always go, well, you know, COVID's it's just like the flu. I'm like, I don't want to get the flu. <laughs> oh, well, let me get COVID then. It's just like the flu. It can I have two? Yeah, the last time the flu shut down the entire world was 1912. So, you know, it's not just the flu. I've heard that too. I, and the amount of rhetoric, the MAGA people spin and the stuff that people have said to me, I'm not taking the shot because there's razor blades in it. I had one lady tell me, I mean, I, it's just like, you gotta be kidding me. I just, and people actually believe this stuff. Well, I could tell you right now, uh, Sue, uh, 
and we're going to come back to Amanda in a little while because I want to repeat the information uh, to make sure everybody knows. Uh, so, but, but I'm just going to we'll finish this up because we're here. Uh, this is going to be a pivotal issue in the upcoming elections. And uh, we talk about this on the show a lot, how attitudes toward uh, masks and COVID are sort of changing. People are tired of them. Uh, and the Republicans believe they can s- seize control of the House and the Senate and maybe even beat J.B. Pritzker by running on a campaign that says uh, they go, they've gone too far with their masks. And I feel that re- Democrats, you know, right now, thankfully, we're in the middle of a, uh, uh, a downward spike, whatever that is, ebbing of the, uh, of the COVID surge, obviously. And um, it's much safer out there, but you don't know when the next surge is coming. You know what I'm saying, Sue? And right, I got the feel, variant. Yeah, the next variant comes. So you just you got to be on your toes. But I guess yeah, you can't feeling. let your guard down. You're right. But I guess get the feeling that in this election year, people are like, yeah, let the surge hit because our polls, our focus groups show that uh, some swing voter in, in suburbia is going to go against us if we have to bring a mask back to a kid. You know what I'm saying? So I got a feeling. Definitely uh, be an issue. I agree with you yeah. on that. All right. Before we uh, move on to the other thing I really wanted to talk to you about, uh, Kate or uh, Sue, I don't care who, uh, just tell folks again, uh, Amanda, Kalo, C-A-L-O. Uh, it's. Um, go fund me. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Katie. Um, yeah, if you just Google Amanda Kalo, C-A-L-O, GoFundMe, it should come up. There's a beautiful picture of her as the cover photo. Um, any donations appreciated, all proceeds are going directly to the kids. Yeah, so if anybody out there, you know, um, would help with that, we would be much appreciated. It would be much appreciated. All right. Uh, and so, uh, Sue, before we uh, close down a little more, uh, let's talk about uh, another person that we know uh, passed on, but uh, wasn't as tragic. Uh, it was always very sad. Uh, the great Karen Lewis. Mm. And uh, I saw last time I saw you, at least uh, on remotely, you, you and I were both speaking at her uh, one year memorial, uh, which is a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so talk a little bit. I know you're the, the reason you got into politics. One of the reasons was because of Karen Lewis. So talk a little Absolutely. bit about the great Karen um, Lewis. So I really consider Karen to be, um, you know, my dad, I learned a lot of things from my dad. Um, but Karen was a lot different than my dad, um, in her way of her, her style of leading. And in 2014, when she was, you know, exploring running for mayor, she's like, come on, Garza, you're already like the mayor of the, of the 10th ward. You've done a lot of work down there. You just come on, do it. Let's do it. We're going to run people. We're going to run people. I'm like, oh man, I don't know, you know, if I really want to do that. And she's like, you're such a great organizer. Um, you know, you've done so much work over the past 22 years in your ward, the legacy of your dad, whatever. And I said, well, the first vote I got to get is from my husband. So let me talk to my family. And um, she really said, like, I believe in you. You can do this. You can win. She put enough confidence in me to actually do it. And when she got sick, um. I'm not going to lie. It, it scared the shit out of me because I thought, Oh my God, I'm going to be working with Rahm Emanuel. What if he wins? What, you know, we, we, Chewy took him to the runoff. Karen endorsed Chewy. Um, we had 13 candidates in the race. I was the only one that won. I woke up in the morning and I, I literally said like, Holy shit. Now what? You know, it was, it was very intimidating running for office and, Sitting in a seat are two different things. But Karen was always somebody that would tell me the truth. Um, Karen was somebody that I sat on the steering committee and every other Sunday we would meet at her home to discuss the trials and tribulations of what the teachers union was going through and how we would proceed forward. And the thing that struck me the most about her is she encompassed everyone. 
every single person. She never used the word I. She always used the word we. She never made it about race, class, color, big, little. It was we, we. It was always a a united front. It was always... And it was solidarity forever. She would never pick it against another union. She would never, you know, say anything bad about another union. You know, she actually slept. She did. She didn't just talk to talk. She walked to walk. And she had the biggest heart and the most amazing sense of humor, as you well know. Um, she's somebody that I, I cherish and. When when Bernie Sanders came to the 10th Ward for a rally for me and Chewy, um, he had yet he did not announce that he was running for president yet. This was in 20 early April, about maybe two months before the election, the runoff election. And Karen came and she had just gotten out of the hospital. And I have the greatest picture of her and I sitting on the stage and we're both looking right at each other. And I can look at that picture today and tell you exactly what she said to me. She said, I believe in you. You got this. And I I literally, I can remember her just like she came. She had literally had just gotten, had brain surgery and she came, she showed up for me. And I don't know, she, you know, she would call me. We still, Raul is really good friends with John. They talk all the time and uh, not, not as often as they would like, but you know, they're really good friends. Karen used to always tell me you got the brown bear and I got the black bear. (laughs) Cause you know, John was always by your side, just like Raul's always by mine. So (laughs) John Lewis, the legendary. Coach. Coach. Uh, Lane Tech. Oh, such my a good, God. Such a such good, good man. man. Oh, my God. Such a good man. And I, I just I always do this. I always say this. I always like to tease uh, those uh, union members. And they talk about John. Oh, Coach. Like he's this benevolent, saintly figure. Oh, Coach. I'm like, you, ne- you never were rooting for a team that was playing one of his teams. Dude is a ruthless competitor. Yeah. Sadlowski Garza oh, plays yeah. to win. Okay. Oh, coach, coach. I'm like, wow, teddy bear. Okay. No, he, he's no he's teddy a, bear in the court. All right. No, no, he's not. And and here's the thing: when he's passionate about something, yeah, he he's he's in there. No, it's all good. He, he is in there. So, yeah, there. I'll tell you, there will never be another Karen Lewis. Never. I mean, I they broke the mold when they made her. You know. Well, yeah, and uh, I also must say this. I agree with you. Uh, she was one of a kind, uh, to quote the spinners. But um, uh, I always have to point this out, and I think Carol would appreciate this. She was vilified uh, in real life by the powers of be in this city. She was not beloved by the powers of be in this city while she, in real time, while she was alive. I just always like to remind that because I see articles in the newspaper all the time vilifying the current leaders of the Chicago Teachers Union. And these writers are going, wish Karen Lewis were back. I'm like, oh, you do, huh? Where were you on the front lines? I don't remember you being on the front lines when Karen Lewis was around. I don't recall you standing by Karen Lewis. You were complaining about her, trashing her, talking bad about how she looks. Yeah. So it's funny how people rewrite history, Sue. Well, you know, that that's, listen, I have the press. I could, this, that could be a whole series of shows and what I'd like to say about the press. They can write whatever they want with zero repercussions, zero truth. They can tell you, they could make a headline and people believe it because they see it. Well, now, you know, there's so, so much, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Oh, well, I saw it on Facebook. It has to be true. Okay, wait a minute. I'm going to defend my brothers and sisters uh, in the press right now. Uh, So, yes, Facebook. But come on. You got, uh, by and large, I'd have to say, we all stumble. 
No one's perfect. The reporters of the city of Chicago, I give them high grades. I give them very high grades. Uh, look, Sue's like, uh, you, well, you they don't write well, about I, you, I Ben. Give, I'm not putting every single. Listen, I'm not yeah. putting every single one of them uh-huh. in in the same category. I am not because there's some really decent writers, decent human beings that write the truth. Make sure that they follow. Um, they don't just take somebody's word for it. They go back and they do their research and they do that. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. I'm not putting everybody into that category, but there are certain writers. Um, I'm not going to say who, because I don't want to give them the any kind of credit, but there are people that write things that are totally false. And it's just, it's infuriating because it's really hard to fight the press. You can, you can say things, but so they won't print it or they will twist your words to make it sound like it was something else or they put stuff out of context. You know, it's just crazy stuff. So, yeah. All right. Well, speaking of which you said you had a quote in the sun. I have, I, I got to ask you about this. Yeah. Uh, and let's go into it. You, it was when uh, Alderman Patrick Daly Thompson uh, was convicted and you said uh, that uh, if he wasn't a daily uh, he wouldn't have been convicted. And I, of course, lost my mind when you said, you know, Sue and I don't agree on everything, ladies and gentlemen, okay? Uh, and uh, I was like, what are you talking about? Sadlowski Garza? I was so mad at you. I called you by your last name. Did and uh, yeah, if he wasn't a daily, he wouldn't have had access to that bank. Duh. Well, so here, here's the thing. And here, here's the thing for me is people, and I can tell you this from experience, just being an alderman. People were held to a higher standard and that's fine because we have the word alderman behind us. But just, you had said this 10 minutes earlier, we are human beings. We bleed red. We eat, sleep and, you know, drink coffee. Um, I don't know about his personal dealings with the bank. And when I did talk to the press, they asked me about him as my seatmate. And I will tell you, and I will say it again, the man has never gone back on his word. And I've worked with him on on numerous issues. He was very humble. Um, He really was. He was not arrogant because he did. And do you know that Daly is actually his middle name? (laughs) No, no. I I thought it was Patrick Daly Thompson. It's in the Irish custom you take the mother's maiden name as your middle name. So that's actually his middle name. I did not know that. So like I, I would be Susan McDillon Sidlowski Garza. Like if, if I followed the Irish tradition, right. But I did not know that. I just thought he, you know, used that last name as kind of a catapult to, you know, running for an election. But I, I, I still hope that I still believe in what I said. The guy was always kept his word. Um, he worked with the utmost integrity when I worked with him and he was very humble and great sense of humor. And I don't know what he did or did not do, but I do know what he did with me. So that's how I can refer to him. All right. Fair enough on that point. But, uh, uh, the other point uh, you and I will just always disagree on, and that's just kind of how uh, how it's going to be. We're not going to agree on everything, uh, Sue. No, that's way, okay. Uh, if you're if uh, Sue McMillan Sadlowski Garza sounds like a law firm on commercial McDillon oh, McDillon that's even better. That sounds like a law firm on Commercial Avenue. Uh, <laughs> going, McDillon Sadlowski Garza. Uh, so anyway, all right. Uh, sweetie, we get to general irons. Oh, oh my God. goodness. We, oh, uh, God. uh, that's a perfect example of the press. Yeah. Go ahead. Here we go. Spinning, spinning stuff. That's not true. Go talk. And the narrative of moving from the North. Uh, yes. Two companies merged. Yeah. Yes, RMG merged with General Iron, but RMG, where it's located in my ward, one of the the issues is they were so far off the beaten path 
nobody knew South Shore Recycling was even there because you can't see them. They're so far away. They're on the river. Nobody knew they were there. So the narrative of environmental racism moving from the north side to the south side, false, because RMG's been here for 29 years. They're a Teamsters local. These guys are back, you know, they're making 80 grand a year back there. They put $85.5 million into a state-of-the-art recycling facility. I have yet to have one person that was on the other opposite, the environmental justice community. And I look, I want to breathe clean air and I don't want, you know, um, anything to hurt people. My grandkids live here for God's sakes. And they go to the school that's a mile and a half away from there. So I live here. I would never do anything to hurt anybody in this community ever. And I've never lied I've always included them to be part of the uh, part of the policymaking, part of the process. When I found out that that um, Hal Tolan, when RMG Sasha Recycling was merging with General Iron, first people I called was the uh, organization in my neighborhood, and we brokered a meeting with the Lapcon family, Steve Josephs, Hal Tolan. We had a meeting with NRDC and everybody else, and. Um, one of the people from NRDC said, well, if they put all those environmental controls on there, it should be, it should be good, but I don't trust them. So this has become a political football that nobody wants to hold or carry. And the thing that really bothers me about the whole thing, I understand about cumulative effect and, but the 10th ward has, again, has been the ward that has built the city of Chicago, literally. And I, I mean that literally, not figuratively. Um, when did blue collar workers become the bad guy? When did that happen? And I want to have one person tell me, what is the solution to recycling? Because here's the thing. If we have a way to clean, to recycle cleanly and safely, what do we do with, the, are you going to stop buying stoves, refrigerators, dishwashers, microwaves, bicycles, cars, electronics? What are we going to do with it? Are we going to dump it in the middle of the, of the lake? Are we going to dig a hole and make a landfill? What is the solution? What do we do with it? And, you know, people know there's a whole ecosystem of, okay, you, 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 you shred this stuff, you scrap it, you sell it to ArcelorMittal, you sell it to Finkel Steel, or they melt it down, they make more steel, we build skyscrapers, blah, blah, blah. I mean, reduce, reuse, recycle. I thought that was the, 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 the term. Well, I must make a confession. I was one uh, member of the press uh, who was pushing that narrative. Uh, and I still push that narrative uh, to a degree. Uh, and I'll tell you why, because I take a look at both sides of the equation. So I take a look at what they're doing in your ward, and I take a look at what they're doing in uh, Brian Hopkins' ward. I take a look at the money being spent in Brian Hopkins' ward uh, to build uh, high-end uh, uh, housing, retail, commercial, what have you, raising our taxes to do that, by the way, with a TIF. And then they had to get that stuff. They had to move it somewhere because it was in the way of high-end development. So oh, I look at it from both sides of the equation. I hear your point. And you're making a very good point that as a society, we need to encourage recycling. Uh, we can't just dump the stuff in the river. We need uh, facilities like that. You're absolutely correct. Right. And, and you're, you're, you're right as well as when you say they moved, they moved them out of there so that they could build high end development. Right. But here's the thing. We have a lot of development that I've brought here in the past seven years. We're, we're doing an affordable housing complex on 89th and commercial, um, 100% affordable units, 100% sustainable and the environmental justice community is against it because they're using cooking gas. So, you know, I, I, I got nothing on that one. So, you know, you're laughing, but I'm not making this up. I, I am not making it up. And I just, 
you know, we have to figure out a way to, to think about sustainability, but we also have to realize that the thing that makes the 10th Ward so unique is we have rail, we have a federal waterway that leads to the St. Lawrence Seaway to the ocean. So we have big ships that come. We have the International Port Authority here. We have almost 8,000 people that work along the Calumet River producing goods and services that keep the city of Chicago running and working. And plus we have access to all the expressways. No one else in the city has that at all. I mean, I'm going to tell you how ludicrous this has gotten. There's a company in my ward that they take the barges and the Wendella boat cruise ships. It's called Calumet Dry Dock. They take these big giant ships and boats and barges. They take them out of the water and they put them on dry land and they clean the hulls. They take the barnacle or whatever the heck they do. And Department of Planning is telling them, well, you have to adhere to the Calumet guidelines, which calls for trees and shrubs along the shoreline by the seawall. I said, how in the hell are they going to put trees and shrubs along the shoreline when they pull these ships out? You can't, oh, Are they going to pick them up over the big, giant 80-foot evergreens? I mean, give me a break. I want the people on the fifth floor, and if any one of them is listening, and I could name names, they need to come down here, get on a bus, no press, no cameras, come down here and look at my ward. Because guess what? Allison Arwadi, Mayor Lightfoot, none of them have come and actually toured any of these facilities. I want them to look at the workers because here's another thing. You talk about, I met, I met a worker out there last Monday, volunteer, I'm sorry, last Wednesday, volunteering at the food pantry that is fully sustainable by South Shore Recycling. They donated the building. They paid the gas, the light, the electric. 600 families a week were feeding out there. Here's a guy, black guy, 54 years old, has been working there for 22 years, Teamsters, making like 88 grand a year. Where's he, where's he going to go? Now, you know, you're going to have 200 people out of work how in the hell are these people going to feed their families when you have invested that much of your time? And let's face it, when you're 54 years old, it's not easy to find a job when you've been doing one thing for 22 years. You know what I'm saying? So that kind of stuff keeps me up at night. And I want my constituents to be able to breathe clean air and have clean water. And we did a poll. 79% of the people in this ward said that Industry and constituents can live side by side as long as it's done cleanly and safely. What's the number one most important thing to my constituents? Jobs. Got it. District 31 had 124,000 steelworkers jobs. And we were when they steel when all the mills left, we were left with a ton of brownfields. There's no place in the city that has more vacant land than me. And people are starting to come here. And um, here, one of the warehouses, Ford took it. They're they're building electric Lincoln aviators. That's that's eco friendly. Another one, another warehouse. It's a coal. It's a produce cold produce storage facility. You know, people are excited about this. And now I got a new Dunkin' Donuts coming, and I got a restaurant coming. You know, they're building because now all these jobs are coming. So we're seeing this. You know. This is such a crazy metaphor. We're like the phoenix rising from the ashes. So, you know, the development on 89th and commercial, you know, I got people's, oh my God, you're gentrifying South Chicago. Give me a break. Really? With 100% affordable housing units, I'm when was the last time somebody threw $80 million at South Chicago? Not in this century. No. Uh, so the last uh, I saw was, it's been a while since by at least three days ago, since I've read the article, uh, city hall pulled the permit, uh, on, uh, general islands. So the facility will not at the moment, at this very moment, uh, be, uh, constructed up and running. So what's next? They go to court. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but 
The city gave them the permits to build the facility. The city gave them the permits to put in their electrical. The city gave them the permits to put in their water treatment plant. The city gave them the, the permits to put in the plumbing. And then, I'll, then they're just like, oh, no, sorry, you can't operate. There's a thing called vested rights. It would be like me saying, okay, Ben, you buy a piece of property and you invest all this money in building a home and then I don't give you the permit to occupy it. It's, it's the same thing. And the thing that infuriates me about that is um, guess who's going to foot the bill on that shit? The oh. taxpayers. Duh. The same ones who foot, footed the bill on Brian Hopkins. I always bring it back. It's two sides. There's two sides of Chicago. There's two things going on. And uh, <laughs> they had to move it out to do the, the thing they really wanted to do. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to be very cynical and jaded, Sue, and feel free, uh, to, uh, criticize me for being cynical and jaded for having uh, spent so much time covering Chicago politics. But, uh, I think it was a political decision. <laughs> this falls under the category of, oh, duh. Absolutely. <laughs> under, the category, under the category of, duh. Here. Uh, yeah. yeah and you know what? Any, absolutely. And you know what? Here's the thing. Um, I, we had a town hall meeting on Tuesday. And I have said all along, I've written letters to the Illinois EPA, to Durban, Duckworth. I I mean, look at my website, go under there. You'll see them. All the letters I wrote, NRDC even quoted me in one of their articles. Make sure you follow the science, do your due diligence, find out what this, follow the science, follow the science. I've been told by this administration that they were going to follow the science. And at the town hall meeting that we had the Tuesday before they denied the permit on Friday, Tech-to-Trek, the U.S. EPA study man or whatever you want to call him, stood up in front of 285 people and said less than one in a million, less than one in a million people have the chance of getting sick from this facility because of the extensive environmental controls they put on. They also talked about the U.S. EPA air quality, 10-year air quality study that was done in my neighborhood. and guess what? My air quality is better than Northbrook and Albany Park and has been under 2.5 and trending downward on the good side for over 10 years. So, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, we're following the science. We did these, the due diligence, blah, blah, blah. And then I get a phone call on Friday from CDPH, Allison Arwadi telling me they're denying the permit. And I ask on what grounds you told me you're going to follow the science. I don't, I'm not understanding the decision, Uh, 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 you know, backpedaling and, Oh, well, they're out of compliance. I said, well, there's, what's the ticket numbers? What are, what are they out of compliance on? Because there hasn't been any tickets issued. I I, issues a violation. I get, I, I tell me what it is. And I literally said, this is a political decision. I am not stupid. I am not stupid. And I hope you can sleep at night knowing that you're putting all these people out of work. Um, and, and I have two other projects that are coming and the environmental justice community has already contacted them and said, we're coming for you next. Have you talked to Mayor Lightfoot about this? Oh, um, it's not a good conversation to be had because... Uh, I'm going to tell you, and I will say this publicly right now, I am sick and tired of being thrown under the bus and having the bus roll over my head. And that's what she's done to me. That's what she's done to my ward. That's what she's done to the people that work here. And I I don't have anything good to say right now. So, Are you going to support her next time around? No. Even if it means just staying neutral? Just not support. Her, her, oh God, you you got me on a roll now. I'm tired of being ignored. I'm tired of not getting phone calls returned. I'm tired of letting the inmates run the asylum. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely not. Uh, I, I have never met anybody who has managed to piss off every single person they come in contact with. Police, fire, teachers, aldermen, businesses, manufacturing. 
and that's it. I said it. That's it. I don't care. I, I, I'm, li- I'm literally to the point where it's, I work my ass off seven days a week and you know, I, I just, you ask yourself for what, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Sue, are you running for re-election? I just can't. I never oh, seen yeah. you. Okay. No, I, I might. Maybe I'll run for mayor. Maybe. <laughs> she my just husband, announced her campaign. My husband would divorce me. <laughs> yes, he would. He'd move in with me. We'd be watching Bulls yeah. games together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. And White Sox. He loves the White Sox. So yes, well. I'm running again. You're running again. And have the changed your have the award boundaries changed uh in any significant way? Have they moved well, you into Hammond, Indiana? Well, yeah. Well, they, they tried to put me, I've been in the map room three times and uh, the map that I had given and that I worked out with my neighbors when I got into the map room, there was no sign of it. I mean, they had me going eight and a half miles west over the expressway, over the river and into Elk Elk Gardens, which, you know, I, but you're disenfranchising 4,500 people that are eight and a half miles away from my office that have zero way to get there. Cause there's no bus that runs down 130th street. There's no bus. So, and I talk to people, I know people that live there. They're like, we don't know. We're part of Pullman. They're, we're part of the, we're part of the ninth word. They don't want that. So I've tried to go in the map room. I have been told by Mike Casper, you can't go left. You can't go North. You can't go this way. You can't go that way. I said, why the hell am I in here then? By the way, Michael Casper, uh, Michael Madigan's uh, right hand. Oh man, yeah, it, 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 it is. It has been the one of the worst experiences I have ever witnessed in my life. Now, so you know, when Mayor Lori Lightfoot hears uh, your comments, she's going to get mad at you. Good, and she's going. It's okay. Going to say, "I, you supported me in the past. You got to stick with me through thick and thin, no matter what." And uh, so, what would your response to that be? I'm tired of being part of a dog and pony show and I, I care. The people of the 10th ward are the ones that elect me. And that's who I'm worried about right now because I have a, I've already lost four projects that have left and gone to Indiana because of, of all these rules and regulations and, crazy policy things that have been put out there. Um, I, I'm, I'm pissed off too. I'm pissed off too. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't care who's mad at me. I don't care. I really don't. The people of the 10th ward, I know what they want better than anybody that sits on the fifth floor or sits in city hall. Um, I've been here my whole life and I, I know what's best for my ward not them. So the Sadlowski in that name, uh, is the, the, her real name, not real name. That's not fair. Her birth name, uh, her dad, we, I should have mentioned this earlier. Ed Sadlowski, le- legendary Chicago labor leader, in the steel mills and a good, uh, I'll say a good leftist, good lefty. And, uh, friends with studs Turkle and the whole gang back in the seventies. I grew up with Leon Dupre and Studs Terkel and, you know, Tom Gagan, all the good ones. And Led Zeppelin. Uh, I right, can't forget you grew up with Led Zeppelin. All right. Uh, Sue said last Excuse me. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Stones. Raw Zeppelin. I think the last time I saw you was at that Stones uh, cover concert. You remember? Your friend was doing the Stones. Oh, no. I came to your show after that. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I forgot. Who can remember anything? All the reefer I smoked in the 70s. All right. Uh, it's catching up to me. Uh, uh, Alderwoman Sue Sedlowski-Garza of the 10th Ward. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, we we really care, went the, took the conversation a long way. I mainly wanted to uh, talk about uh, the Amanda Kahlo and I will end the conversation where, where we began it, folks. Uh, Amanda Kahlo. I know this. I never, I, I may have met her. She may have actually been in my house because all these kids crawling around my house at various times. You know how that goes, Sue. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, um, but just everybody uh, that knew her just tells me, oh my God, Ben, she was just so wonderful. And uh, the victim of a just senseless murder, domestic violence, and left two very young kids. And so uh, if you can do it, 
feel free uh, go find the GoFundMe page, Amanda C A L O, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say about that. Sue, thanks so much for taking time to talk. Uh, to thanks, me. Ben. You're the best. Appreciate you. All right, that's the great Sue Sedlowski Garza. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Thank you.